Let me let me practice this for you guys. I need I need okay, in the moment ahead. feedback. I need to practice. Okay. Go ahead. I told you. All right. Well, this is just not good. This is Taylor's like this it. is not helpful. <laughs> what are you practicing for March or something? We're in March. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. Taping this late. I don't even know what day it is. Uh, I've been in. I've been in Greensboro. I'm back though. Is it Thursday? Mike, help me. What day is it? Do you even keep track uh, of days right now? It's it's Thursday. All I'm doing is I'm just counting backwards. So I just know it's 12 days until tip off. That's all I know. Did you make you like know, a so. chain in your room and you're taking off a, a ring of the chain every single day? <laughs> like our kids no, do. You know what? My, the the room that I sit in right now is like you know when when smokers um, you know if you like smoke in the inside of a house for like a long period of time it just leaves like brown outlines around the walls and things like that that's how I am just sitting in one position watching games and the world is just spinning around me it's just like I'm just creating an outline like a like a nuclear bomb has gone off um, have you it, stopped it's watching intense. it's intense right now replays of brown since they're not going to make the dance. <laughs> Are they not? They might be top four in the Ivy League. Hey, don't sell Brown short. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, we have some discussion to get to, especially surrounding the bubble and the conference. And lots of other storylines heading into the final two days of the regular season, Friday and Saturday, and it's all going to wrap up. Chapel Hill is going to be a big star on the map in college basketball. Mm. Uh, and it will be. Tomorrow it will be. So we have. Don't don't undersell that Louisville uh, UVA game. Yeah. Okay. We'll get there eventually. And then we have the Friday special. The former Big East teams, Miami and Virginia Tech. <laughs> Who's canceling their uh, Friday night plans? I, I mean, are you guys going to get out of date night or something for this? <laughs> get out of date night. That is my date night. Well, Morgan's a, is she like a closet tech fan or something? Uh, not at all. Oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, yeah. All right. There we go. Well, guys, yeah, I love I love that both Miami and Virginia Tech would have a shot at winning the Big East this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. <laughs> oh, I absolutely believe it. I'm well, not for Miami. I believe it for Virginia Tech, 100. percent We're gonna also go out of conference because that's what we have to do, guys. What are we? A week? Twelve days away? You said, Mike. Yeah, you've yeah, got the yeah. According to my uh, my lunar calendar, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, yes, yeah, we're twelve days away. I've never seen you more active in my life. Never. <laughs> Dude, I'm all over it right now. I am I'm elbow deep in college basketball right now. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I This this is my life right now. Uh, I'm really feeling it. Well, we got a three-man pod tonight. I'm Luke Neer, your host. Mike Jaffe, you just heard his voice. Vegas Mike is his real name. And then Taylor Pilkington is, you know, he's not sit- seated next to me this time, but he is next to me on the phone line. So, That's hello. Right. Yeah, thank you for holding it down in the studio, Luke. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's a little lonely here. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't uh, amped when I was driving in today, but it's good to hear your voices on the other side of the line. Let's go to uh, the big story, which is Saturday evening, Duke, Carolina. I have lots of thoughts from the North Carolina perspective, from the fan perspective as well, and lots of rumors circulating around Mr. Williamson. Will he play the Ooh. rest of the season? Will he play against North Carolina? Will he play in the ACC tournament? Is he being saved for the NCAA tournament? Are his people telling him otherwise? Does his well, circle have give, other ideas about this? Yeah, give me, give me what you got. What, what are you hearing? What do you want to represent from the UNC fan perspective? 
I, I'm intrigued at this angle from you. Well, I think a lot of UNC fans want him to play in the finale. And they feel like they got cheated out a little bit of their performance in game one. And they just want to take it to him another time. Mm-hmm. Which I think mm-hmm. is understandable how North Carolina is playing. I think I would take North Carolina even if Williamson is suiting up for sure on Saturday. If it's a pick em. Now, yeah, how right do y'all now, feel I about that? projecting UNC as a one-point favorite. That's ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. You you think that they should be four, five, six, somewhere, somewhere around there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, the issue's still in doubt with number one. And right. do you think Duke's going to, what, shoot threes? Are they going to stop North Carolina from scoring? Are they going to get them off the glass? Are they going to find an answer to Luke May, which was a problem in game one. I'm just curious. And Cameron Johnson shot the ball like doo-doo in game one. People forget about that. Carolina was completely off from three-point land, and they still were able to run away with it. Yeah, I mean, I, North Carolina, you know, is dominant. And, I mean, play, I'm playing obviously very well right now. And the funny part is, I think, you know, I think Duke is in trouble in this game because every single argument I hear about Duke right now in being able to compete in Chapel Hill involves Delorier. And I think if Delorier is going to be mm. making arguments based on Delorier's play, um, I, I just can't, I can't take you too seriously when you're talking about a game for a potential number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I also can't remember the last time Duke was swept by Carolina Taylor. Yeah, Go I don't know. Your memory I, back. I kind of am on, emotionally, I want to take the opposite track from you guys. And even though I know... Congratulations. To really Carolina happy that you, here. I knew that you'd do this. I know. I have to present the contrarian take here. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to go with Duke. I feel like in that first game, losing Zion like instantly kind of took the air all out of Cameron Indoor. It kind of negated what little, like some excitement, a lot of the home court advantage. And then they were kind of just like lost and like you know, not able to adjust in the moment. I think they'll start off on a much better foot this time than immediately being like struck down by that loss. Um, I, I certainly think it's going to be tough. Carolina deserves to be favored, especially in Chapel Hill. Um, but I think, you know, RJ Barrett's going to get in the ISO game and score a bunch of points. I think they can find some ways. It really comes down to Duke on the defensive end. Uh, I don't, I have more of a problem, you know, how are they going to find answers for that? outside shooting that Carolina can come with, um, especially if Cam Johnson reverts to his, his normal form. But I, I think I think Duke can pull it out here. And I just love the history of, like, it seems like they always split away and away, like the other person wins in the other person's um, arena. Mm, not really, but good thought. Not, I'm not even con- convincing myself right now, honestly, but I'm hey, trying to make it. <laughs> another question. Did Duke lose Zion in the Wake Forest game Tuesday? I can't remember. Mm, oh, did, did they yeah. lose him early on? Did he go out like in the first four minutes? Did I miss gonna, something? Because I mean, I, t- I tuned in at halftime, so I, I can't say that I watched the uh, opening four minutes before the first media timeout. What happened? I'm going to so stick with my 90s sports narrative and say that they were looking ahead. Classic trap game. They were looking ahead to the UNC game. Mike, your thoughts mm. on that contest? I'm sure you tuned in for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was a beautiful last gasp effort for Danny Manning and crew. You know, I mean, I just I found it to be inspirational, honestly. As that ball, as that ball rolled around the rim for Wake Forest to lose the game, um, you know, I I was really hoping that it would go in for Danny and um, 
for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. But um, well, first of all, can not. I interrupt you and say oh, I love how you're using the word "crew" and the Demon Deacons, and you have yet to name a Wake player. I love that. <laughs> I think that speaks volumes. <laughs> I mean, well, you want me to just pretend like I really care about Sean D. Brown? Oh, you know, they, oh I'm, now I'm impressed. You know, I mean, those, don't forget Jalen Horde. Guys, those are guys that um, you know haven't been significant to me all year, so I can't pretend like uh, like I care about them now. And plus, I sung them a lullaby last year. They're dead to me. I also, last last episode. You know, I also am looking at the Wake Forest Demon Deacons roster on uh, the Worldwide Leaders site, and they don't have any pictures next to the names they just have these blank shadow profiles you know that you, you do when you're starting a, a new facebook page or something and haven't uploaded a picture <laughs> it's just because a team it's the name, it's the name of on the shadows it matters it's a team it's of shadows the well there, oh, i think there was man. cause for concern in that game i really do think so really yeah i i mean i i think it's just an ongoing trend with duke i i'm really worried about cam reddish i mean He's shooting 31% from three in ACC play. This man, is not breaking really news. really need him, man. I, I, don't, I don't understand what's going on. I mean, it's for all the talk of how amazing Duke's offense was earlier in the year, like and how explosive it was, how well it flowed, the transition game, that sort of stuff, now it totally seems like their best option is just to run clear outs for Barrett all day long and just, you know, let him get ISO on half the court or set a ball screen and get him going down towards the hoop. And honestly, they could probably, if they just swallowed their pride and decided not to shoot threes, things might get a little bit better. Um, but until then, and they keep going like 7 of 28 from 3 every night or 7 of 30 or whatever it was, um, unless they have a night like they did with Virginia, it's, it's not inspiring. You know, this was the issue that I brought up at the beginning of the season, which I thought Duke would, Duke would look more like not quite what they showed against Wake Forest, but in general, a team struggling to score from the perimeter, you know, not quite the firepower of previous seasons. Then, And then it was proven wrong, I think, in the first three to four months of the season. You know, they completely had this gear of getting to the rim. And I don't know if, you know, teams well, are starting to game plan better. I just don't know what's happening. No, I think I totally agree with you because I remember having these conversations where we would say, what's the recipe for beating Duke at the beginning of the season? And it was, you know, pack it in, make them shoot over the top of you. And the thing, what it really was, I think, was the Zion effect. And noticeably, like, it was they got a lot of points in transition and their defense was elite with him on the court. And when you have, like, an elite defense that creates lots of turnovers and gets you out, you know, down the floor before the other team can get their defense set, uh, you know, they don't have time to set up a defense and pack it in. Like, you, you mess up all the plans. Um, but then they lost all that, and everything went away, and it kind of reverted back to what we talked about at the beginning of the season. Well, I'm glad you made that case, because you're the man who's going to have Duke money on Saturday. So, you know, congratulations. I like the way uh, where your head's at right now. Thank you, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> For the record, I feel terrible, terrible about this. Um, my body has never felt healthier. And yet, my mind has never felt worse. So, the Blue Devils to the two line is really starting to become a potential right now. If they lose the Carolina game and they get knocked out in the ACC tournament pre-finals, I think you have to put them there, especially if North Carolina ties for the regular season and does get to the finals. I think that's, you know, I don't know what, what argument you could make at that point because, I mean, you've got Tennessee who's lurking, you've got Gonzaga, who's going to be on the one line no matter what at this point. I don't know. How do you see it, Mike? 
Yeah, I, I think right now Duke is moving towards the two line, especially if they lose at North Carolina. Um, I think I still think that the ACC has two one seeds there. So if it's not Duke, it, it does end up being North Carolina, and I think UVA is a shoe in right now for the one seed. The the other one seed that I I don't hear a lot of people talking about, but I'm kind of looking and um, you know seeing where where another one seed could come from, and I I kind of look at LSU right now. And I say, like, ooh, man, you know, if LSU wins out, you know, they have the wins that could propel them to the one seed. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of controversy going on in Baton Rouge right now, but you know, what a story that would be for LSU to uh, come out and pull out the one seed. So that's another one that I'm looking for. But I agree, Gonzaga and Virginia right now have the two one seeds locked up. It'd be interesting to see how the others shake out. LSU will not be a one seed. I'll just go ahead and tell you that right now. Well, you're not the only one on that angle, just to let you know. I will also say this. No, I'm saying Taylor, as far as LSU hate, there's a lot out there. I mean, it's it's all over the place. I, I, I'm, it's not hate. I'm just telling you. Well, not you know, be disbelief. But there's Tennessee disbelief still. Are you in that camp as well? I mean, do you, who do you believe in the SEC? Or is Kentucky still your squad from uh, that conference? Uh, you know, I, I, I guess think they, they are for me. By default. I think they are. I'm, I'm with you here, which is um interesting. Now, What's it, what's incredible about uh, the battle for the double bye between Florida State and Virginia Tech is FSU gets it. Hold up. Gosh, I hate this. Stupid Andy Katz is in my ear now. Where'd he come from? Where is he? You get out of there, Andy. You get out of my head. Um, I was trying to get a, a picture of the ACC tournament, and basically everything fell right into the lap of Virginia, really. I mean, if they defeat Louisville and get the one seed in the ACC tournament, but they avoid Carolina, Duke, and Virginia Tech. The three teams, I think, Virginia fans, I don't, I don't think the team itself cares who they play, but Virginia fans would not like to see in an ACC tournament run. Hmm. Very interesting. So what happens if they if they lose? Do they, then they're, they're j- jumbled with all those other teams with the exception of North Carolina? I mean, who's going to beat them in coming off a double bye? Well-rested, a team on a back-to-back? I mean, Louisville last year had all the steam in the world. They and they crushed their first opponent. I can't remember who it was on day two of the tournaments. Had the revenge factor after being swept in the season and the crazy comeback into the four points with one second left, whatever it was. And they still got steamrolled. So, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the semis is a lock. Is it a lock for Virginia, the semis? Well, and is that that's probably enough for a one seed. Most likely they'll be playing... The winner of NC State or Clemson in the, in the quarterfinals, correct? No, don't they play Florida State? Because Florida I State's think, the four. Yeah, I'm talking well, about the, I mean, the quarterfinals. Okay, right. yeah, but the so semifinals is is most likely Florida State unless they trip up, which could happen. I could see that. Right. I mean, we, we could see a rematch of Florida State Virginia Tech for that for the chance to play Virginia there in the semis. Yeah, man. So Virginia Tech Florida State. Did anybody tune in for that? Thoughts. Great game. Wow. I mean, I was shocked to check in and see Virginia Tech up by double digits in the first half, and then that lead just eroded. And what's amazing is looking at the, you know, the stats. I don't really know how it happened because I didn't watch the entire game. I just watched chunks of it. But looking at the percentages, it seemed like Florida State was winning almost every category. But for some yeah. reason, Virginia Tech built a lead. Blackshear didn't play well. And they still had a lead. How did that happen? Start with Taylor. 
Yeah, well, so it's funny. I was not watching the game live. I tuned in right as overtime was starting. And I think I texted you guys like, whoa, overtime. And uh, very insightful text. And then I went back and watched, um, you know, regulation on replay. And I couldn't get out of my head thinking about, um, you know, Virginia Tech's passing offense versus the, the defense of Florida State. And I think it was the inverse of what we talked about for the first half of the season with Virginia Tech. They went up. You know, they seem to be hitting everything. Uh, Florida State could not really get their footing, kind of where looked like they were on, on skates with the Virginia Tech offense passing all around them in the first half. I think they were up by like 10 or 12 or something. And then um, Florida State kind of came out and seemed to be reinvigorated and have that offense, that, that defense, excuse me, that you kind of expect started scoring. Um, as we predicted, Kamaji could not, I mean, he, I think he played like, five minutes and got three fouls or something like that. But, uh, but Terrence Mann had an amazing game. And um, at the end of the game, I think it really came down to those final few possessions where like the kind of contested threes that Virginia Tech had to shoot over long Florida State defenders, that, that becomes a, a very difficult way to live or die, even when you're as great a shooting team as Virginia Tech. Mm. Mike, anything mm. to add? And we, yeah, I mean, I, I think when, when you talk about how that that lead eroded at the beginning of the second half. It came down to turnovers. I, I did not think that Virginia Tech did a great job of taking care of the ball. I think they had 14 turnovers in the game versus seven for FSU. And, and Taylor alluded to it earlier. This is a team that passes the ball well, moves the ball well. Um, you know, I thought that Alexander Walker, you know, played well with 19 points, but Taylor's right. He was not able to create in the end game scenarios. And, um, you know, another thing to note from this game for me, which was, which is becoming a surprising trend in Virginia Tech basketball, which is something I tweeted out, um, you know, is Ahmed Hill someone that we now, you know, are going to be uh, expecting big things from in big games? I mean, Ahmed Hill is a player that has disappeared on Virginia Tech from time to time uh, throughout the year, throughout his career in big games. Um, so I, I'm not used to him coming out and putting out putting up like 18 points, you know, on, on what was it, 6 of 12 shooting in, in a game for a double-buy scenario where you look back just, uh, you know, a few months ago and he was putting up, you know, zero points on the road against Penn State going 0 for 6. You know, so I, I don't know. You know, it's just it's an interesting uh, scenario. I don't I, – I do wonder if, you know, losing Justin Robinson for these past couple weeks, you know, putting the ball in other players' hands that don't handle the ball as much – like Walker and like uh, like Ahmed Hill, if it hasn't been better for their overall game and confidence. So, but they need Justin Robinson if they're going to make a Final Four run here in the next few weeks. Oh, of course, let's go to the ACC chart of it an early look. We don't have all the seeding determined yet, but it feels chalky already. I mean, last season was semi chalky, but Clemson kind of came out of nowhere to get to the semis, which I thought was a great story. I don't know if there's really a candidate this year, but I'm sure Mike can be created of enough to find someone out there. I mean, who, do you, who are you looking at? You, you mean in the ACC tournament? Yeah. Who I look at as kind of a dark horse candidate to win it all. I mean, I, I think that um, I mean Clemson fit the bill last year because it was yeah. Duke, Carolina, Virginia, yeah. and Clemson in the semifinals. So I don't yeah, know. I mean, I I still like the way that Louisville is playing. I know that the optics are not great, but honestly, you know, when looking at the ACC right now, and I think over the second half of this year, I think they have a very soft middle. 
You know, they're they're kind of like me in about February. You know, they're just they're just a little little soft in the middle. You know, I, I don't I think they're strong up top, and there I, there is no bottom of the ACC. I mean, there's just five teams that just kind of drag along the bottom, like they're just like dredging up. Yeah, there's no leg day in the ACC. No, it doesn't happen. No leg days. Yeah, I, this is you in February, but only in February. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like the ACC over the past five years has been kind of, you know, characterized by a strong middle, and I think you've seen that middle kind of show up in the NCAA tournament and and make Sweet 16 runs. People point to Syracuse and Clemson and things like that. Um, this year, I just don't really see it outside. You know, I know I look at Clemson and I'm I'm go- proud that they're fighting to try to make the NCAA tournament. Obviously, NC State has fallen off. Syracuse has been a huge disappointment. Um, you know, really, I just kind of like circle Louisville. Like, you know, I think that they, they're continuing to do good things. Um, so maybe if you're going to pick one, I guess you could go with Louisville maybe to make a little run here. You know how you know you have a jelly roll in the middle? <laughs> Can I tell you guys how you know? So many, so many ways. Because the only voices clamoring about, well, there's nothing given in this league on a night-to-night basis. You got Anybody can beat anybody. The only... Voices clamoring over that notion or that cliche, which we've heard for decades, are the coaches, and they have to do that. I mean, even the yeah. analysts and the writers aren't saying, "Hey, you got to watch out for this test. Nothing's easy." No, no one's saying that because everyone knows that it's top heavy. It's really up our upper echelon heavy, and then from there on out, yeah, middle is soft. I like that take. That's a good one. Yeah, Taylor, go ahead and chime in if you want. Yeah, I mean, it just certainly doesn't feel very fair if you're like Louisville or Syracuse looking at a six seed and then you win your first game and then you're staring down Duke as a three seed on Thursday. Possibly, maybe, who knows, with Zion back. Um, that, it, I, I think chalky is a good way to describe, describe it, Luke. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's how I feel. So that could be a problem for NC State who's trying to play its way into the tournament. Because yeah, that I mean, was yeah. that Georgia Tech yeah. catastrophe is inexcusable. I'm actually oh. very excited for that eight nine matchup between Clemson and NC State because as of right now, Clemson pretty much is definitely out of the tournament and NC State is maybe still technically in, but maybe out, and that game kind of becomes like a, a de facto play in for the tournament. I mean, yeah, so Taylor, you need to speak a little more about NC State. I know that um, you rode that train pretty hard um, for the past few years. I mean, what what are your thoughts right now on the state of basketball in uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, with the Wolfpack? And how disappointing is this year on the scale? Because this was supposed to be upward trajectory for Mister Keaton. This is a backstep. This season is a backstep. There's well, no other way to put you know, it. I will just I'll open the curtain to let everyone peek behind a little bit. Before we start recording, Mike sent me a text that said, uh, "Taylor, are you ready to offer a few words as goodbye to NC State to say farewell, <laughs> a, a requiem for our noble Wolfpack, if you will?" And I said, "Sure, yeah, I would love to." Except, you know, I am worried. You know, they am I worried about the Georgia Tech win? Must win? Yeah, yeah, I am. Was it embarrassing? that they lost uh, to a five-win ACC team um, on a dunk that got wide open after some terrible man defense on the last play of the game? <laughs> yes. Was that emblematic of a state team that cannot play defense uh, in the half court once the other team gets past their initial pressure? Yes. 
was it alarming to see them go 8 of 35 from three-point range and uh, have a terrible shot selection, also emblematic of a season-wide trend, a team that takes 28% of its shots from spot-up positions per Synergy Sports, uh, but is so inefficient in that that they rank in the bottom 13% of all NCAA teams in the nation. Yeah, that is alarming. Oof. And Oof. it's alarming that they have a 351st strength, strength of schedule with only two quadrant run wins. Uh, yeah, yeah, I am worried about that. Um, the team that I've been ride or die for the past couple seasons. But you know what? Don't worry. Don't worry. Twist. I'm not going to do what everybody thinks I'm going to do. I'm not going <laughs> to flip out. Okay? As he starts echoing, I think he's like running away from the telephone right now. I can barely hear him. Yeah, I'm a little out yeah, of breath. As, I'm a little out of breath. Should, okay, we're going back should. in. You know, it might have been worth it for the passenger, you know, celebration. Me, it was like he won the NIT. It was great. Let me just say, let me just say, as I ease out of this podcast, that NC State helped build, I'm sorry, but it's a fact that there is such a thing as transition scoring, as forcing turnovers in the open court, as offensive rebounding, as pick and rolls with Markel Johnson, as C.J. Bryce cutting to the basket, as Thunder Burke with a Thunder Jam, and NC State <laughs> has all these things. They're still an 11 seed, according to Lenardi. And they have this home game coming up. Not a home game, excuse me. Tourney game against Clemson coming up. They're going to win that game, and they are coming with me to the big dance. Mm. You can call me sentimental. NC State, they're coming with me. Here's what I think about NC State. Let me, let me tell and you something. And all I want to know is, who's coming with me? <laughs> I don't know, Riley. Can, oh, Riley, can, man, can you rally? That was so sad. That was so uh, sad. Let me, let me make one point about NC State. They're the team of role players that are actually playing like role players. Because yeah, sometimes you'll have a team that doesn't have a star player and they overperform and they become like a story. You know, you know, everybody's unselfish on this team. You know, the, the best player is the open man. NC State's the same makeup, but not getting the results that say, I, I don't know, like an Indiana Pacers team is doing right now. If you want to do an NBA corollary, I don't like to do that often, but... They're like the opposite. They're they're playing like role players. It's a team full of role players playing like role players. That's what I think, Mike. Oh man, you know what? For me, that Georgia Tech game was emblematic of their entire season. One stat in particular jumps out to me is that they were one for seven in transition, and in transition, all of their shots were three pointers. So that tells me that this is a team that does not get to the basket, is not efficient in scoring. I agree with your role player comment, but they're they're a mess, man. Say goodbye, say goodbye to NC State. I think they're done. I think that there are so many more qualified teams. I, I'd rather have Temple in the tournament than NC State. So, time to say goodbye, Taylor. I'm sorry. Heresy. So we have our automatics: Duke, Virginia, UNC, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Then we have the ends: Louisville and Syracuse. The bubble is. Mike says Clemson, and he says NC State's out. Interesting. And then the disruptors, Notre Dame, Boston College, Georgia Tech. I would agree with that, especially after this week. And then the dead, um, led by the Night King himself, uh, Jim Larnega, <laughs> Miami, Pitt, and Wake Forest. Wonderful. That's it. I think, that is, I think Clemson that is, is out for sure. For What's sure? the case for Clemson being in? I don't know. What what do you say? What what makes what makes the case for Clemson being in? Because Mike likes yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, because they deserve to be in, and I <laughs> like them very much. That's why they're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> that's what the net's all about. You didn't see that column where it's just like Vegas Mike wants them in, so they should be in. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that they're going to make a little minuscule run. I think that they'll beat NC State should they see them in the ACC tournament. Um, I think that, honestly, I look at, like, the Lipscomb win, and I look at, uh, you know, the Virginia Tech win. Don't forget Radford. Think, Don't forget Radford. Yeah, and Radford, you're right. Three tournament teams. And I think those <laughs> three wins against any of the wins that uh, that NC State currently has, including the Auburn win. Um, yeah, Auburn, anyways, I, I, State. NC State's trash. Yeah, they really did themselves in with another soft nine conference. Uh, I yeah, think that needs to that'll stop. Be the talk of the offseason, I imagine. It's not just a, a recent development. This happened in the Godfrey years as well. What did they uh, mm-hmm. lose one of William and Mary? What two two years ago? Three years ago? Does that ring a bell? In the opener? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That does ring a bell. I I remember Taylor complaining about that game. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on. That's our dance invite. Wonderful. So make yeah, plans. It's an invite only. Get invite your dance only. cards out, everyone. Um, yeah, there's a lot bring of your corsage. Exactly. Uh, get a cheesy tux to match it. So yeah, Taylor's Keith already said, said goodbye. I imagine Keith has many a cheesy tuxes. Well, should we go out of conference and talk about the big dance storylines not involving ACC teams? I think we've covered the league pretty well, unless you want yeah, to rehash sure. more sure, from... Yeah, let's, let's touch on a couple of the bigger bigger stories that are out there right now. I'd, I'd like to just dabble in that a little bit. Well, uh, take the lead. Um. I mean, one story that stood out to me that involves a former ACC player is the current meltdown happening over at Iowa State. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following this very much. Um, you know, with all of my tournament prep, I've been, um, you know, perusing more, uh, more teams outside the conference. But according to CycloneFanatic.com, which is a great site, you guys should check it out, um, there's a fist fight between uh, Michael Jacobson and Horton Tucker, um, you know, got heated in practice. You know, that it ends up carrying over to the West Virginia game where they get into an altercation during that game. Um, and somehow during the fight slash argument slash scuffle, Mario Shayok hurts his foot um, and is potentially, it's potentially serious and maybe out for the tournament. So, you know, I, you know, I, I had said earlier, you know, I had liked Iowa State coming into the year, and you know, I'm just, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned, a little concerned for. I'm just thankful you and Guthrie didn't pull the trigger on an Iowa State future because you were close. I mean, you were in yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. You were in line in December. Pretty good in December. Mm. Yeah, that's um, a problem. I still think the Big Twelve is trash this year, and Taylor completely disagrees with me. Mike, you're somewhere in the middle ground in that area. I don't know where Guthrie is, but um, on the Big Twelve, so I'm going to stick with it. Kansas looked like an abomination against Oklahoma. That was one of the most (laughs) dreadful showings I think of the entire season. What else do we have to talk about with this conference? Maybe Baylor is a is a team who's you know been sneaky good recently in the Big Twelve. Other than that, yeah, TCU's yeah, I think that's fallen. a great call. Hang hang on to that. That that's a little nugget right there. I mean, I think Baylor has been sneaky good recently. They they struggled a little bit in the past month, but I think they've righted the ship. I think they're going to do some damage in the tournament. I do like Texas Tech. Mason. I'm in on um, Texas I, Tech. I really like him. I'll take the Red Raiders. They're playing the best basketball at the right time. So yeah. The yeah, Big 12 I is yours, gentlemen. Well. 
But I mean, Baylor did lose. Didn't they lose to Oklahoma State though earlier this week? Never. I mean, uh, man, never mind. You know, never Oklahoma mind. State can light it up from three. I don't. I don't know if they lost that game or not. Um, I, I don't know if they. I think they may just not have covered, but maybe I'm misremembering. But you know, that Oklahoma State's a tremendous three-point shooting team, and with that zone that Baylor plays, sometimes you'll sometimes you'll lose out to hot shooting. Yeah, that's what happens uh, when of, you have midseason tryouts for you know regular college students. You get a lot of three point yeah, shooting. Yeah, that's right. I love that. I love that. Okay, statement. Yeah, that's a bit of a struggle over there currently. I kind of feel like the Big Twelve is representative of something that I don't know if it's borne out like year to year by actual facts, but I feel is true is that you know we've talked about how the bubble is kind of soft this year. I feel like there are a lot of teams that have had pretty good seasons up to a point, just like collapsing at the end of the season. And like Iowa state is one of those teams. I mean, I think a few weeks ago I was still, you know, cheering on Iowa state to win the big 12. And now like they kind of just went off the deep end. Even Baylor had like a middle of the season where they had that run where they beat TCU, Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas tech all in a row. Um, And then they kind of just, you know, lost two or three in a row and just disappeared um, you know, teams like Indiana even look like they might make the tournament going outside the Big 12. And I just, I feel like there are a lot of those teams just like slowly, slowly fading. Maybe we're going to see the SoCon as a two or three bid league. Um, <laughs> I love it. A three bid SoCon I, league. You're, you're really, you're doing something uh, to my heart right now. It's, yeah. It's I mean, Big 12 has seven projected teams in, which I think is nonsense. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it could. It could. Yeah, it, it totally could. I guess TCU is the eight that's not getting in, right? Yeah, and they don't really have anyone in the last four in, I don't think, so they might be safe with that. That just yeah. doesn't sound right, does it? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't It doesn't really sound right. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things where everybody believes that the middle of the Big 12 is very strong, and therefore those teams beating up on each other is, almost like validation, you know, like uh, they're getting good quad one wins against each other and all that stuff. Uh, oh, that's crap, though. Quad one, uh, you know, it's just trash, man. What happens I don't when like Kansas plays Yale? Who are you taking? Dude, I, exactly, exactly. I mean, who are you, Who among your mid-major champions are, are you, you, you would take several of them over, you know, a lot of these middle middling teams in the Big 12 Because right they're going to play. included. It's discipline versus non-disciplined teams, turnovers versus teams who are going to probably take good care of the ball. What the Big 12 has going for it is athleticism and strength and physicality. So maybe that's a notch in the belt when it comes to officiating, which loosens up, I think, a little bit in the NCAA tournaments. But other than that, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I just don't know. Yeah. Okay, other topics to discuss. Oh, Should we, we go to the SEC? we going to talk about uh, Will Wade yeah, why not? and uh, Christian Dawkins and the, quote, Strong-ass offer. Um, so I guess this was per Yahoo Sports. Um, they, I don't know if they released the tape or what. I just read the article. But um, apparently Will, Will Wade um, is on tape saying that he made a hell of an offer um, regarding Javante Smart um, coming to the, to the team and uh, was, was getting worried that uh, Smart wasn't getting a big enough piece of the pie um, you know, Wade was previously commented as saying, uh, I've never, ever done any business with uh, Christian Dawkins. I mean, just goes back to the liar comment that I made last podcast. But um, 
Yeah, so I see so, this I as mean, Willy Wonka, you know, giving out golden tickets to the chocolate factory. And a, a big piece of the pie would be, you know, you get unlimited access to the chocolate milk pool. You know, you can just <laughs> live there and you have it all to yourself. That'd be a good piece of the pie, right? Uh, yeah, that would be that would be a great piece. Willy of the Wonka. Pie. That's uh, what I'm going to call him from now on. Yeah, the man yeah, with Willy golden Wonka, tickets. Man, that's that's weird. That's a weird movie. That's a weird. If you ever, yeah, anyways. Willy Wade. Willy Wonka. Thing. Willy Wade. <laughs> yeah, Willy Wade. Oh man, but yeah. Anyway, so here's my question for you guys, and I think this is actually going to be directed at Taylor. So, Will Wade values mindfulness above almost anything. You know, he has his uh, players actually practice meditation. Um, before each practice, um, when he's breathing in deeply and looking within, you know, what, what does Will Wade see, you know, within himself? How does he perceive himself, Taylor? Uh, well, initially, I think you were going to ask me what animal does he perceive himself as. And I was <laughs> yeah, going to point out right, that, you know, yeah. what, yeah, what animal you know, does he perceive himself to be? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that's is what that's I was a cliched version of my Okay, this is not a spirit quest. All right. This is, Bye. you know, I, I honestly think the first thing I thought of when I, when I thought, heard all this Will Wade talk, cause you know, there's kind of been like talk about him in the past is he, when he was the coach at VCU, um, all, there was like a picture that people put out that somebody took with a cell phone of him on the recruiting trail, talking to some recruits, like grandmother in the, in like her living room. Oh and he's, man. And he's like talking to her, and the, the thing that always struck me is he has on the most like dad outfit, like khaki shorts and like collared shirt, like tucked in. Like I, I think Will Wade sees himself kind of as like a he sees himself as like a, a source of truth. I don't think he would tell you that he's um, doing anything wrong. I think he's out there like just forging his way the best he knows how, and I. I while I support the use of mindfulness uh, in the thing, I don't know if it's, I don't know if Will Wade's employing it in the best way. Um, but, <laughs> but you I, like him, though. Just say it. I know yeah, you're I, getting I, there. I kind of, you I'm do kind of like a Will him. Wade truther yeah. here. I kind of like him. Yeah. Well, shocking, oh, wow. shocking development, Mike, that uh, Taylor's yeah. in on somebody yeah. else in the college Dude. basketball world. Just you know, old, love old everyone. Love everyone. from Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, how close is he to being in Greece with Rick? In being what? Overseas with Rick in Greece or wherever he is. Where's he in um, Turkey? I don't know. No, not close. Oh, okay. You really think so? I mean, no. I mean, I think even if he is, he's certainly, it seems like, implicated right now. Even if he is punished in some way or something like that, the reason Patino is over there is because he had two scandals and three, if you count the one from a couple of years before, in a row. Um, and that's what really killed him. Well, he knew nothing of those. So it's a different yeah. <laughs> scenario. Let's go to Twitter beef. Mike, you wanted to talk a little bit about this. Oh, yeah. Twitter beef, Twitter beef. Oh, I love Twitter beef. Um, I love that on the notes, it just says Twitter beef. And then someone just wrote, no, <laughs> like, like you guys still want to talk about it. So I, I have seen quite a few Twitter beefs popping up between, uh, you know, guys that host like college basketball podcasts, um, you know, I'd mentioned on here, I saw one between like Mike Randall of Screen the Screener and Tony Patelis of College Hoops News. And I saw another one of like Jeff Goodman from uh, Stadium Network and uh, Matt Norlander of CBS. Um, you know, lots of, lots of, you know, 
shit talking going back and forth. And I guess my first question is, do we believe these beasts are fake or real? Are they maybe just trying to drum up some publicity for themselves? Oh, wow. Um, which, which is apparently something that you do, um, which I've heard other people do. And then my second question is, if you guys could have a Twitter fight with anyone, who would it be? Oh, I know who it is. Crazy Talker. That's the first person I would go after. Wait, who's the crazy talker? Oh. <laughs> I just, <laughs> that sounds yeah. like a Seinfeld episode. I who's think some of our talker? listeners Give might know. The crazy talker. To, uh, yeah, just... um. Scroll through that, sort of like, you know, what people used to do in, in, you know, in college, Encyclopedia Dramatica. I never did this because, you know, I'm a sane person, but, you know, scroll down until, you know, you can't bear anymore, whatever, you know, images. You know, there's challenges. No. Okay, you guys are too old for this. What are you talking about? (laughs) Never mind. You know, scroll through the tweets until you can bear no more. That's the challenge. Oh, okay. All right. Like to see who's like talking badly about you no no never mind um uh, hopefully our listeners right. got that i think a couple might have taylor okay. um right. you're not going to start a beef with anybody because you love everyone and matt I'm mike who's it going to be who would mind me is that what you asked because i wrote the question so i would love to answer would it, it be the would it be the anti-gambling community is that who you're going to go after <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, no, I appreciate the anti-gambling community. I I prefer to keep my habits in the closet, you know, so it's perfect. If the anti-gambling community weren't there, then I wouldn't, you know, I would just be a total degenerate and, you know, it would be just totally out in the open for everyone to see. Nobody wants that. Um, No, I mean, I think if I were going to have a Twitter beef with someone, who would it be? Um, Ah... Man, I you know I don't know. I actually didn't even think of an answer to this question. Um, I I, I would. Well, I'm glad I, I did some homework for us, you know, because yeah. you know at least somebody okay, had one answer no, for this question. That. But um, I, I think if I, my my Twitter beef might be with um, I'm gonna go with I'll go Tony Bennett. I think that's a good guy to choose. He's not I think on Twitter I would though. Love to, I'd love to be the one guy that gets Tony Bennett on Twitter and then just like start a random beef with him about. You know, the fact that I don't like, uh, we'll start with UMBC and kind of take it towards like offensive metrics and things like that. You know, I think that would really flow well with him and call him a bad person and stuff. And just, I would just probably spend a couple months trying to get him to curse at me or something like that. Um, That's probably what I would do. It'd be wonderful to see Tony Bennett just uh, quote scripture at you. In response to all your things. You're going to have to study Jamie Lucky. That's what you're going to have to do to to get to the bottom of this. It's it's not going to be easy. Trust me. I want to put out there that uh, yeah, anybody that's, who that's wants exactly to start... That's exactly what I need is Tony Bennett sending me Psalms references. That would that would make me feel better. Well, that's enough on Twitter beef. What a terrible segment. Whose idea was that? Definitely not oh, Taylor's. Was, Man, oh, Mike. I'll claim that. I oh. like that one. Okay. I'll, I'll retweet some of the stuff, which has since been deleted by the Twitter beefers. But anyway, I've enjoyed it. If anybody I, wants I like to start a fake Twitter beef with us, I welcome it. That'd be amazing. With us? So we can participate. Oh, somebody got in a beef with us a couple of years ago. It was a Virginia Tech fan who loved us for about a season and a half. And then for some reason, we said that they were a disappointment in the tournament um, because they lost their opening round game and um, got really mad. So, oh, and we've never heard from that. that person again. I'm sorry to that random Virginia Tech fan. We didn't even, you know, get, you know, beefed up on it. I mean, it was just like a goodbye text. And I hate you. Mm. So anyway... Let's get into the good stuff, game previews, or do you want to do accolades? 
Is it time for accolades, or do we do that next yeah, week? Yeah, it's it's time for accolades, man. Like we only have one more regular season game, and I I feel like do they do they even count the ACC tournament no. in terms of ACC regular the season awards? They comes don't, right? out prior to the tournament. It's a regular season award. So okay. we know there are four locks for the first team, right? Yes, yeah. I think it's the easiest, maybe the easiest year ever to predict um, for the first team, with the exception of the fifth spot. So my first team is, uh, or everybody's, I guess, would be probably DeAndre Hunter, R.J. Barrett, Cam Johnson, and Zion Williamson. What do you guys think? You think those four are pretty solid? So we have them labeled as DeAndre Hunter is earth, R.J. Barrett is wind, Cam Johnson is water. Zion is heart. Really yeah, oh yeah, I had a captain. Yeah, that's fair. Um, theme for so the who is fire? Board. That's the Those question. Those were actually just my personal notes. I've been really into Captain Planet lately. Uh, do you actually want me to explain why those are those are those uh, those elements? Please do. Um, so I consider DeAndre Hunter Earth because he's of the earth. He's like fundamentally sound. You know, he is the the foundation on which things can be built. You know, I have R.J. Barrett as wind because of his cat-like quickness and his Euro steps and his ability to just kind of slide around um, inanimate objects. I have Cam Johnson as water because he makes it rain on the daily basis. I and like then that. I have well Zion done. Williamson as <laughs> heart. <laughs> Zion Williamson as heart because to me that has been his uh, most, uh, and that's been his biggest characteristic to me. You know, obviously he has the physical gifts, but I, his heart has been what's been inspiring to me so far. So I, what we're looking for in the fifth roster spot is fire. So who is bringing that fire? And um, to me, I have five candidates. I like um, your list. I like it. All right. Yeah, are you, are you ready? Can you, re- you want to read the list for fire? We have Kobe White as a candidate, Tyus Battle, mm-hmm. Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, Jordan Wara, and that is your list. Now, let me yeah. tell you, uh, there's it'll be a snowball's day in hell when Virginia gets two players on a first team. I mean, that <laughs> happened last year when they went 17-1 and and won the league by like four games. So it's that's not going to happen. So unfortunately for Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, they're just going to have to um, win things on a team basis. But wow. should one of okay. those two be All on right. there? Should one of those two? Uh, I if I were gonna pick, I, I would say that Kyle guys had the better ACC, re, you know, regular season. So you know, I I would go with Kyle Guy there. Um, but you know, if I were choosing between the two of them, and I like him in that spot, I actually think I, I would like to see him on there. Yeah, what separates those two, I think, is their defending, and I don't think the college basketball community is quite at that level of paying yeah. attention to defense. I don't think a lot of college basketball writers know if Kobe White's a good defender or not. I'm pretty sure they don't know if Jordan War is a good defender or not. They probably saw the block against Clemson and think he's great. So, yeah, that's the... Yeah. I mean, if we're rating it well, then we would pay attention to both ends of the floor. But I think... Uh, I mean, I don't really know. I, I would not vote for battle at all. Uh, that team's been too disappointing. Yeah, that's, <sighs> it's tough. You know, I put battle on the list because, statistically speaking... He is having his best season yet for Syracuse. Um, you know, I think he's been efficient. He's put the team on his back to get buckets when he's had to with the disappearance of Frank Howard um, for large parts of this year. So I, I, I feel like Tyus Battle has done so much for them, and they, you know, 
frankly, they are going to finish likely 11 and 7 in the ACC, and that that's really saying something. So I don't know. I I put him on there for that reason. I but I, I agree. He's not. Not as deserving as the Virginia guys, or frankly, as important to his team as Kobe White is. I think guys' three point percentage is something that cannot be scoffed at, and his free throw shooting. What is he in? Um, I'm going to check out. I'm going to check that out right now. Go ahead, Taylor. While I'm looking. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I guess I couldn't argue with any of these guys in general, but I think really, if we're going to go to like the most deserving people, I think it should be one of the Virginia Tech guys. Um, Maybe oh. I guess you can't really pick Justin Robinson because he missed the back. Well, who else season, are you going like, to pick from Virginia Tech? Blackshear. Blackshear. <sighs> I think Blackshear's the guy. Yeah, that's a stretch. I mean, it's you've already said. I agree. This this award is kind of a like a, it's based on offensive numbers and offensive merit, and he has some of the best offensive numbers, getting like such a high usage rate for his team. I don't know. I think Ooh, I think he's kind of overlooked. That's, I play. like this angle. I like this angle. I have not thought about that. You're right. He ranks currently fifth in the ACC um, in conference games in true shooting percentage. He's second in offensive rebounding percentage, fifth in drawn fouls. I mean, you know, he's shooting 81% from the line, 55% from the field, and 42% from three. Maybe you're onto something here. Those are are KD numbers. Well, Taylor, you've done something here. Oh. You've pulled a rabbit out of a hat. I think it's unlikely that he will be voted onto the team, but I... I would argue that he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Ah, I like that argument. Somebody I had not considered. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, very good. Very yeah. good. All right, so are those Coach of the Year. End awards? Yeah, I mean, are we going to give Coach of the Year to Chris Mack? Yeah, why not? We should. Yeah, he deserves it. He yeah. deserves it. He's done a phenomenal job. And then, obviously, Player of the Year has got to be Zion and Sixth Man of the Year, Cobb and Gelly. Yep, easy yeah. enough. No debate. Yeah. No I mean, debate. Common Gelly is like edging into territory to get awards of the year. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a chalky all ACC team, and then it might be a chalky ACC tournament. And we're just yeah. going to have to find out if we believe it's going to be a chalky NCAA tournament. I know Vegas Mike does not. He is. He's oh, looking no, at I Belmont don't. to don't. take down of another Big Twelve team. And you know what? I'm with you. I'm going to be with you this year. We're going to be together. Um, in the same yeah, house together. Yeah, we're going to be together for the first time watching yeah, I know. the NCAA tournament opening weekend together. It's, it's going to be, be outstanding. I, I can't wait. Do you think it's yeah. time for the mid-major minute? That's a great segue. You know, I, I brought up Belmont. Um, you can go in any direction you want. I think that oh. you should probably talk about a mid-major that's potentially going to make the tournament or you think is going to win their conference tournament and get in, maybe steal a bid. So can I keep the mm. music? Are you ready yet? Or do you need a little bit of time? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can always be ready for the mid-major minute. I mean, I feel like one team, there's one mid-major team that is made. Uh, Wait, are you ready for the timer? Yeah. What, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. On your market set, go. On your market set, go. Okay. Tonight, let's talk about the team that I did not want to talk about all year. Because everybody else has been talking about them. But I feel like now that they're in the national news with um, the recent uh, you know, uproar after their signature win against Nevada. I think it's time we finally talk about the Utah State Aggies. All right, Led by Craig Smith, this team is going to make the NCAA tournament now for sure. Win or loss for their conference tournament. Um, you know, for those that, that don't watch them on a, on a nightly basis, um, this, this team, if you're going to compare them to an ACC team, it's probably Louisville. It's a team that moves the ball very well, can score the basketball, 
is is very good at defending jump shooters, which is a signature of Louisville this year. And they also have down low an absolute eraser in Nemes Keita. Keita? Keita? Um, so that's something that you don't really expect when you think of mid-major teams. You, you always worry about the middle and the fact that they could get beat up inside. This is not one of those teams. So I'm telling you, this is a team that you got to keep right, an eye on up. in March. You know, you've done really well in this segment, and I'm glad that I'm, I can call myself the executive producer because a lot of the teams <laughs> you've done, pretty much every team you've gone over is a projected tournament team. And you did this before a lot of the late brackets have been coming out. So you had Hofstra in there. You had Lipscomb. You had Wright State. You did a segment yeah. on – who else did you do? You did yeah, ODU, had, I think Murray Old Dominion. was our first one before John, John Moran's yeah. coverage blew up. Um, yeah, we've been doing it for a couple months now. We had a Wofford Love Fest in the, the non-conference before the segment there. was originated. You, you talked a lot about Wofford in November and December. So. Yeah, actually, I think um, there's a part where I talk about Wofford because they played UNC to open the year, where I may have gone on for like way too long about how I thought Wofford was going to be really good. And, um, yeah, so that, that luckily has aged well. I'm sure there are many other segments that you can pull up that where I talk about, like, Montana. You might like, have done, yeah, ad, you did Colgate, too, that didn't did you? Not end so well. Wait, what's that? You did a Colgate minute, right? Yeah, Maybe. Uh, I, I can't remember. I never got a mid-major minute, but, um, yeah, you know, Colgate, there's actually, I forget the name of the podcast, but there's actually a Colgate um, assistant coach that does a pretty in-depth statistical analysis um, pocket. I think it's called Stat Check. Is that right, Taylor? Taylor's gone. That sounds Doesn't as matter. interesting as brushing your teeth. Okay, can we pick games? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm ready to pick games. I'm ready to pick games. Well, we have to go to the Friday night special. The date night killer. Virginia Tech <laughs> and Miami. Virginia Tech, Miami. Oh, man. It's such a better football game than it is a basketball game. Is it? Um, not oh, not this past year. No, no, no. You were mistaken, my friend. What's the line? What's the line? I don't know. Taylor, are you there? Did you leave? I'm here. I lost I you. I thought we lost you. It's going to be uh, Virginia Tech as the eight-point favorites. Excuse me, 12-point favorites. And they're in the dark, chain nets and all, lanterns lining right. up the arena. Man. Ooh. You guys go Last first. You got y'all go first. I don't have a good. I have no, nothing to say. Ooh, I mean, you know, I Miami is not a bad matchup for Virginia Tech, and I think twelve points is too much. You know, I, I like I like parts of what Miami do. They've been horrible this year, uh, but you know, I actually think Azindu is a pretty decent matchup for Blackshear as well. Um, you know, I, I would take Miami in the points there, plus 12. That's that's who I like, despite all of uh, the good things that Virginia Tech does. Yeah, give me Virginia Tech. I came up with an angle. I just got oh, it. All right. You know, I've been experiencing some of this a little bit recently. When you have an ultra-thin team who's had a very down year near the basement, very thin team, don't have a lot of depth, pretty much at this point, point of the calendar the last week of the season you're just waiting for it to be over and that's, mm, that's what i think true. miami is going to be in that full mode they're not in front of their home fans so if they were playing at home they'd have a little bit of extra motivation i think but since they're playing on the road i think they might just dog this one and wait for the acc tournament to, to make their last stand so i'm gonna go for Virginia tech i'm with taylor oh yeah all right that's fine 
That's an emotional take. It's not necessarily an X's and O's and personnel yeah, take and matchups. Yeah, you know, that take almost pushes me more towards Miami. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, I've been cold recently and you've been hot, so I think that's probably a good idea. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, all right, what's next? What's next? Well, we can go to Saturday because that is the uh, that's the day. We'll start that earlier on in Saturday. Taylor, is there a terrible game that means nothing that you would have talked about? Like the uh, Boston College? NC State, Boston College. Well, actually, that has a little bit of meaning. <laughs> Even though Mike says they're out. I was thinking more on the lines of Notre Dame and Pitts. That's a noon tip-off. We know where we're going to be. <laughs> oh, that is a worthless game. I don't, I don't talk about those teams anymore. It's March. Okay, fair enough. Syracuse-Clemson. Important. Yeah, this is a Very important. important game for Clemson. Um, you know, they're, they're right now projecting out to be five-point favorites. They're at home against Syracuse. Um, a Syracuse team that was recently absolutely shell-shocked by UVA in the second half of that game. But up until that game, or up until that breakout in the second half, um, you know, a lot of people watching it, I think, were smelling upset a little bit for Syracuse. They were they were playing very physically and uh, playing very well. You know, I think this will be another very physical, um, intense game. The matchup for me to watch is, you know, is Elijah Thomas, going to actually be effective down low. I think that when he is, Clemson is successful. I, I don't think that he'll be able to do that against the 2-3 zone. I, I don't think Sar- Clemson shoots the ball almost as worse as bad as Syracuse recently. So I actually like Syracuse here getting the points at five, but the best bet would probably be the under. Do you do you buy the whole senior night thing? I mean, it's going to be senior night at home for Reed, Thomas, Mitchell, and Scara. It'll be like Ed Scott's uh, um, senior night. The difference is, like, also, it doesn't really matter for the ACC tournament seating at all. Well, it, it matters for Clemson and the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But it doesn't. Yeah, that's true. They're trying to get a bid still. I like yeah, Clemson I for that I reason and that reason that. alone. So, uh, that's so all. You're I'm going. Saying. You're going Clemson minus five. I will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's right, get on the same you, page you, for one you, game, Mike. Can we get on the same page one game? I think the next game will be on the same page. I can feel it. What BC NC State? Oh, is that going to be the game? Sure. Because we both dislike NC State, and you know I love Boston College. Yeah, what's the line, Taylor? Uh, Boston College getting two points against NC State. Ah, that should be more, right? Should be getting like four. Yeah, they probably should be getting more. But people are out on NC State, just like you guys said. I mean, they just lost to Georgia Tech. What do you say? Uh, I mean, I'm taking NC State. I just, know, no I don't, what. I don't like Boston College taking them to win any game, and you have to presume they're going to win if you're going to take two, right? Yeah, but I guess NC State does yeah, want to I, I have agree. a lot of those close games. I don't think you can take Boston College here. Um, Let's ride the pack. Not, they're not deep enough, and they don't, and they don't score in the paint. You know, I, I, Popovich and Thunderbirds a terrible matchup for for Popovich. And you know, if you're going to beat NC State, you have to pound the paint just like Georgia Tech. Did, you know, and I just don't see that happening. You know, um, I, don't, I don't have official yeah. numbers for this season, but I think that. The four of us might have mentioned Popovich more than ESPN's mentioned Zion this year. <laughs> I mean, I think it's close. It's close. Man, that's good. That's good. Um, they, you know what? One guy we haven't talked about who's one of the best players in the league is Kai Bowman. You know, we we just barely glaze over him. Um, we but, do. You know, obviously, he, he does big work out there for Boston College. It's like if you get interrupt Je- Jeopardy when Alex is starting the question, not finishing the question, and you just hear, up in Chestnut Hill, Popovich. That's my answer. <laughs> Boston Popovich. I don't even, uh, what is, 
what's up with Boston College? I feel like every year they have several players that are like really exciting, even like Winston Tabbs is a freshman year and Jordan Chapman. I don't know what happened, happened to Jordan like, Chapman this year. He stopped being able to shoot the three ball. What happens to yeah, him? Yeah, like, well, he cut it every hair. year. I think it was kind of a uh, who was the uh, was it Adonis or who's the one that had the the hair that you could cut whatever. Samson. Samson, thank you. He looked like a mad professor yeah. <laughs> before he cut his hair. Wrong religion. He did, and something <laughs> happened. Anyway, that Boston College North Carolina game was one of the easiest first halves I think in history. Um, ended up being a Carolina cover as well the other day. Yeah. So let's get on to UVA Louisville. Yeah, let's Mike, get go on ahead. Give us, Saturday. give us the uh, Louisville case. Yep. Um, do, do you so really I'm think that Louisville, Louisville money line, baby? Now let me ask you a question. Okay, do you really yeah. think Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, one of the closest knit trios in all of basketball, are going to lose their final game playing in John Paul Jones Arena? Yep. Okay. All right. Just, just making sure. <laughs> all right. So UVA are 14 point favorites. Yeah, so 14 that seems like a lot of points. Projecting. That is a lot. Um, I like it at about it's 11. I like 11. 11. I think it might even go up from 14. Maybe you're onto something, Mike. I'm, t- I'm telling you, but man. Not money line. I, That's I'd ridiculous. Like, I, I, what is it? Stop Probably it. Plus, it's going to be plus 800 or so for money line there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like I like Louisville to come in and in. And get the upset. I mean, it's uh, albeit it's something that's likely not going to happen. However, I do think that they have the tools to take down Virginia, and I and here's why. You know, when you look at Synergy Sports, Louisville is actually the best team in the country at uh, defending spot up jump shooters. Okay, so that is obviously a strength of UVA. They are a terrific jump shooting team. Well, so they went two for seventeen at the first meeting, and they still won by ten. I understand. I understand. I, I, let me continue. Let okay. me continue through my argument here. Um, the the second part that I like that that Louisville has actually greatly improved on over the past month is their ability to finish at the rim and to get offensive rebounds. Now I've seen that as a weakness in Virginia in spurts. Okay, they've they've corrected a lot of those issues. However, um, I do think that Louisville has the ability to score on them as well, especially in the paint. So. I think, you know, those are two very simplistic kind of reasons to keep the game close. And I think if it gets close, it gets tight. And then, you know, if you have eight to one money, I mean, I, I like that position. If it's a one possession game. I'm going to go Louisville just because I think it turns into a end of the bench love fest with about two minutes to play. I think, mm. I think it's about a 17 point game and then it goes down to, I don't know, 12. Yeah, it's going to be, it's too many points. Yeah, and that, that's how I foresee it. I mean, they're going to do the okay. standing ovation for Jack Salt and the Big Three, and yeah, I think that sets up well for Louisville getting all those points. Finally, well, do, I mean, Kyle, Kyle Guy will be there next year. I you mean, sure about that? He's not going anywhere. Uh, I think you could be mistaken. Six o'clock, number four Duke and number three North Carolina. Oh, no, I, I shouldn't have said that. Now Virginia fans are going to tweet at me like crazy or just going to come after me. They really are. <laughs> um, I have no uh, insider information. That's just a thought. It's just a speculation. No insider information. Right. Six right, o'clock right. from the All ding right, dong. So North Carolina Duke. North Carolina Duke. All right, so we already said that the line is uh, one for North one Carolina point. minus one North well, Carolina. If, if that's the case, we all should be in agreement, except for Taylor. But, but there's listen, guys. Can I tell you what the real line is? Though the real line is over under ninety seconds of actual game time 
that they will show Zion sitting on the bench. All right, so last last game when he was playing, I what they were playing Virginia Tech. They had the Zion cam for ninety seconds of game time. What is your thoughts on the over under of ninety seconds for this for this UNC Duke game? Under because I think there will be too much backlash from the Carolina faithful. Ooh, over, right. over. over. They're gonna they're gonna hammer that thing. Hmm. Uh, I think he may get like his own dedicated like picture in picture in the corner. Well, here's the case for the over there. If North Carolina gets out in front and are winning by a lot in the second half, we could see it come up in, mm-hmm. in, in the final moments. You know they're going to show right. it at the beginning of the game, like to establish it. It could come up at the end of the game. It's going to come up whenever there's a timeout, or like I guess that doesn't count as game time. It's going to come up anytime around like starts of halves, restarts after commercial breaks. Plus, things that people hate get great ratings. I think they're going to hammer it. Hmm. Man. Why were you taking Duke again on the pick uh, I can't even reiterate my weak reasons that they're terrible and UNC is still going to win. Um, I'm only taking Duke because I want to pick the opposite of the two of you. <laughs> well, it's okay. You just convinced Mike to change his pick. So at I think at least I'm honest now. about my motivations here. Right, right. No, that's good. That's good. Michael, it's your time right. to change. It's that time in the podcast for you to change your pick. Uh, okay. I... I I can make a better argument than Taylor can for why Duke is um, why Duke has a chance to win this game. I actually I think that they found their rhythm a bit defensively without Zion. I think they've uh, you know for instance in the Miami game they actually held Miami to their lowest efficiency of the season. It was the best defensive performance anyone, including UVA, has put on against Miami this year. Um, so, you know, I know that they struggled against Wake Forest. I think they were looking ahead a bit, as Taylor alluded to earlier. Um, I, I think if they get to the line against North Carolina a little bit, I think that the bigs of Bolden and Delorier give Garrison Brooks and Luke May a little bit of trouble. Um, however, Toby White is too good, and I, I see this as a, a measuring stick for him. I see, I see Nasir Little controlling the game defensively and through his efforts. So yeah, see, that, you still, lost me there. Yeah, that's you lost me. That, yeah, again, yeah, you need to stop. The reason I like <laughs> North Carolina is I think they have four players who are better than Cam Reddish. Four? And I also think they have four players who are better than Trey Young. Not Trey Young. <sighs> Trey Young. <laughs> yes. I really do. I think if you're having a draft right now, would you take Garrison Brooks or would you take Cam Reddish? Right now. Tomorrow. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't want to take either one, but I guess I would take. Uh, I would still take Cam Reddish. <laughs> okay, never mind. Maybe three players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. You don't like Trey Jones, huh? You don't think he really contributes a lot to the I think overall, he's fine. to the Duke team. I think he's fine. I <laughs> I worry about him when he's the third option. His, well, his offense is not really his thing. I mean, they leave him open in the corner to shoot wide open threes. He's that bad of a shooter. He's really just there as an on-ball hound on defense. Yeah, that's why I'm worried. Yeah. That's, um, and that's I think valuable, just, you, that's you valuable it out for against me. Kobe White. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, he, he played great yeah. against Kobe White in the first game. He completely shut him down. So, yeah. hey, you guys are onto something. You guys are doing what? great today. Yeah. You do, what I'm celebrity is going to be in this game? There. What celebrity is going to be this oh, game? Oh, you know what I was doing earlier today? 
I was watching ESPN Classic, 1997, and you know who came back into my life? Ooh, Eric Montross? Serge Wicker. Oh, Serge Wicker. <laughs> I patterned my game after Serge. Yeah, it was great. Great, great 15-foot baseline jumper. I mean, just rock solid. Yeah, he had the, the dream shake to the baseline jumper also. It's like a, a turnaround to the baseline jumper. It was something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other Duke it, Carolina thoughts? Any any narratives? Anything to throw out there? Uh, I mean, not really. Okay. I, I I think that people know exactly what they're getting this year. Secondly, the season finale Duke Carolina game is just such a lower profile than the first meeting every year because it's mm. not on a Wednesday night. Other teams are involved in other games. Other beat reporters are elsewhere. They're not going to get off in time. They're not going to get to a hotel or home in time to watch the game. So that's something else I thought about this week. But regardless, I hope it's a good game. I will be paying attention to it a little bit late. Um, I'll watch the second half. I think I'll be out of the arena by then. So, yeah. Yeah, good, good. I hope I hope you get to, um, you know, like you recorded this podcast alone in a windowless studio. I hope you get to watch the game. I just, I just picture you like coming back from whatever it is that you, your job or whatever it is that you do, <laughs> and then you just coming, coming you home do. to a dark windowless house, opening like a steel reserve, and just flicking on the second half of the Carolina game. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a great recipe. Uh, I might have to do that. It does. It does. Just lighting a candle because your electricity's been shut off. But I guess the game's still on, so whatever. Anyways, good times. Good times. All right, boys. If you want to contact this podcast, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. You can also email the podcast as well. We are at accbballdgens at gmail.com. On Twitter, at accbballdgens. And check us out on Facebook as well. Give us a like. uh, Give us a reference. And stay tuned for more content. We did two this week. Congratulations. Well done, Mike. Way to to come out of the catacombs for this. You're yeah, the driving force behind man. this. And I, we might get another one in on Sunday. I, we might we might get another one in on Sunday with reactions and, uh, you know, sit, getting ready for the ACC tournament. What I would like to do is I would also like to uh, – I'm trying to set up some studio time here in my town to uh, record for each individual team that's going to make the NCAA tournament, give them a little – people a little nuggets so that they can uh, get their brackets right. Um Wow. Is that somebody who's looking for nuggets across the podsca- podcast landscape? Um, you know, I, I think our fans would appreciate. It. You're going to pay for all that studio time? Yeah. Can you absolutely. hire me? I have debts to pay. Come on, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. I do need to think of you. <laughs>